Hey, my name is Scott Duvall, and along with my co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, I'd like to welcome you to episode two of Waiting Since Last Saturday. This is our first full podcast episode, and in it, you'll hear some general analysis of the state of the University of Georgia football program going into the 2015 season. So starting the first full week of September, we'll bring you a Georgia pregame episode every Thursday, including previews of some of the other big SEC and national games of the week. In addition, we'll provide a postgame episode on Mondays, so you'll be able to hear our thoughts on individual and team performances and how it might impact Georgia's standing in the SEC and college football playoff. And through a friendly gentleman's handshake, Tony and I have agreed to allow Will up to one minute in each episode to discuss his beloved Illinois Fighting Illini as they begin their campaign towards bowl eligibility, facing off against the likes of national powers such as Kent State, Purdue, and Northwestern, among others. Finally, this podcast can be heard on the Georgia Sports Blog, which Tony runs, and it's also available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And since we're a new podcast, if you could take the time to stop by iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review our show, that would be awesome. Oh, and you can certainly follow this podcast on Twitter, at WSLS Podcast. So, without further ado, here's our first full episode. We certainly hope you enjoy it. You heard the first intro episode Hopefully, and um, actually, a lot of people have heard it because I checked the statistics on SoundCloud, and I think we had about a hundred listens already. Don't, don't don't start listening to the numbers. On, don't on start watching the numbers one. every day. It'll make you crazy. On episode It'll one, make you cra- it was a minute long. I, it, it was not that much of an investment. I think about forty-four of those were me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know that is a good point. You have very dulcet tones. I showed I showed it to or I played it for my wife and my <laughs> boys when they got off the bus and right. you know my dad and so. What I'd like to first do is say welcome to Tony and Will. Tony, would you like to start? Or yeah, absolutely. I mean we've never done this before, so you know. Absolutely. Have you finished your studying yet? Uh, well, no, I'm just reading this. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia. It says, so that's that's all the G's went to the helmet. Yeah, like every that's why we, every, that's why every letter is yeah. pronounced. Um, you know, I, my name is Tony Waller. Uh, some of you know me as Tyler Dogden on the Twitters and also uh, co-proprietor uh, for the past few years of the Georgia Sports Blog. Uh, it may have known me from a prior blog called Bulldog in Exile when I was uh, stuck, or some people would say graciously had the opportunity to live in Illinois. Blessed. Uh, blessed. <laughs> I think blessed. It's, Are we talking Midwest here? Yes, that, that Illinois, not yes. the other Illinois. Not the, um, not the, not the one in Beirut. Not the, not the Illinois Beirut, not the... the well, there's two Georges, never yes, mind. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, the interesting part about me, I think the most interesting part about me is that um, I have left Athens twice for professional reasons. Uh, they're going to have to drag me out of here skick, kicking and screaming next time, uh, you know, because you, know, you, you live in Washington, D.C., which is a great place to live. Uh, you live in uh, central Illinois, which, by all rights, is a great place to live. Uh, there's something very visceral about being in Athens, being a part of this. And when the three of us got to talking about doing a podcast, um, I really think we all kind of had a common vision of, yeah, there, we need, we want to talk about Georgia football. We want to talk about Georgia basketball because Will and I both are are big basketball fans. We want to talk about even some Olympic stuff. I assume Scott's heard of basketball. And, uh, <laughs> I've been to a couple games. Um, but, you know, the thing about it, too, is there's something really unique and special about living in Athens, Georgia. Uh, and Will probably can speak to that more than you and I can, mm-hmm. Scott, because, you know, we were blessed to go to college here. Will, Will got to actually choose to go here as opposed to a birthright. <laughs> um, so... 
you know, th- I'm excited about this. I'm really looking forward to uh, having the opportunity to talk about Georgia football and Georgia athletics. When we talk about Georgia football, it's usually just to ourselves in the car. In my head. Yeah, or in your head, yeah. I've been secretly taping you all of our conversations. <laughs> so. Oh, I will destroy you both. I have some really hot takes about uh, European football then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. and, and that's a good segue because we came up with this idea when we were watching the Women's World Cup at Grindhouse here in Athens. We It was almost like a spontaneous decision. Yeah, I have to, I have to give some some credit, not for y'all, but to, uh, to a blogger by the name of Chris Burnett, who has been after me for the better part of a year to do a blog, I mean a podcast. Um, I think his direct words are, you know, you're not much on the writing, but you sure can talk pretty. Uh, so, <laughs> Are you sure he was talking to a podcaster? Was he just uh, trying you know, to get you into his car? Whatever. Right? <laughs> he, he does have an awesome charger. And uh, so um, you're going to edit that, right? No. Uh, so, <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing about it is that given the opportunity to work with uh, someone is actually really good at doing uh, the, the podcast thing and give a plug for as we grow uh, and then someone who is such a, 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 I guess, a really brilliant mind and writer and will, it's hard not. It's hard to, even if I'm just here to supply some comic relief and, and fetch drinks, I'm really happy to do it. Yeah, we'll, let, we'll let the listeners be the judge of that. But <laughs> I think I have a feeling you're going to be carrying us. Um, all right, well, I am uh, Will uh, Leach. I um, have lived in Athens for about two years. I am a writer and journalist. I probably most well known I you know I feel like I could save the the uh, the president from an assassin's bullet while uh, discovering cold fusion and my obituary will still say that I am the guy that founded Deadspin and was yelled at by Buzz Bissinger on HBO so uh, I've accepted that and made my peace with it uh, so uh, but I now write for uh, oh yeah th- yeah that, that yeah um, I write for uh, regularly for Sports on Earth, uh, and I and I write uh, for about politics for uh, Bloomberg Politics. I'll probably have to call into some of these podcasts as the year as the year goes along because I will be in uh, in Iowa, New Hampshire, and uh, various oh, other places. Good. Yeah. But um, uh, no, not good. Iowa, New. I'd rather be here. It's very <laughs> cold. In Iowa, New Hampshire. There's so much Trump. Um, Scott, you're neither of us are running for the Republican primary, are we? No, but yeah. it is quite fascinating. <laughs> yeah, Trump yeah. keeps messing up, but he keeps going up in the polls. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's he's falling upward, certainly. Uh, but uh, so I cover uh, and I write about film for a dead spin still because I founded the place and they're humoring me. Um, but I moved to Athens about two years ago uh, because I lived in New York for about 14 years. I went to the University of Illinois, uh, and we were Illinois is much more of a basketball school than a football school uh, because football watching fo- Illinois football will make you cry. So I, uh, but I have to say until I met, my wife is from Columbus, Georgia. I'm from a town called Mattoon, which is about an hour South of the university of Illinois. And, uh, I met my wife in New York. She's from Columbus. I never actually really paid any attention to the sec other than it just beat all of our teams in bowl games every year in the big 10. But, uh, so, but yeah, as anyone knows, if they are dating or married to someone who uh, went to Georgia or an SEC school, you pick it up very quickly. And uh, so I'm still learning. I'm a season ticket holder. It's been very exciting for me to uh, kind of learn all of this. And you guys you guys have the experience and years of expertise of watching Georgia football. I am still, like, it's funny for me to learn the things that are the personal, obs- the, the weird obsessiveness obsessive that you guys have. Like, I had no idea why everyone was yelling fire Bobo for, like, the first... Like I was, I, I just didn't know the parlance in a lot of ways, and uh, now I'm learning, and now now I'm figuring it out, and, and now I understand why Mark Rick has lost control of whatever, and all of 
kind of the Georgia meme. So I come to it from a little bit from an outside perspective, but uh, certainly uh, I am all in. You know, it is exciting for me to have a college football experience for my kids. I have two boys who are uh, who love it already. And uh, and yell every time we drive by Sanford. We live in I live in, we live in Five Points. We hear the band on Saturday mornings practicing from our backyard. So it's something that is uh, is already very uh, kind of ingrained to me and my family. Do and I'm excited to learn from you guys uh, both in this room and the, those people listening about uh, how this is going to work. Because uh, I, I live here now and I'm not going anywhere. So uh, you guys are going to be educating me as much as uh, I'll be uh, uh, yakking. On that note, I guess it's my turn. Um, my name is Scott Duvall. I am a proud Georgia graduate. I'm a local Athens resident. And um, I've kind of dipped my toe in the water of this whole podcast thing earlier. My wife and I launched a podcast um, back in June, at the end of June, called Making It Up As We Grow. It's a storytelling or narrative style podcast, kind of highlighting um, the fact that we're figuring out how to podcast. We were two individuals that had no idea how to podcast, and it's just our little journey of walking through it. And it also highlights my wife, who has been a blogger for about seven years. So if you're into stories and storytelling and uh, want to be entertained by that, you can find us on iTunes uh, by searching Making It Up As We Grow. Um, Growing up, my parents, neither one of them went to Georgia. So I was kind of a Georgia fan, but I wasn't like my kids where they're going to five, six, seven games a year. Um, but I always remember the belt buckle. I got a belt buckle when I was four or five. It's a 3D-looking belt buckle to commemorate the 1980 National Championship, and I was always really fond of it. I'm proud to say that I still have it. I've actually worn it to a couple games. Um, my first football game was 1992, and I had never been to Athens before. I'd always been told that it was a really cool city, and you know, I was starting to look at colleges as being a 15-year-old, a sophomore in college, and I went to a game against Cal State Fullerton, and they have even disbanded football. That, do you take credit for that? Or? No, no, but uh, you know, it was Garrison Hurst, Andre Hastings, I think Bryce Hunter, you know, Max Strong was a fullback. You know, it was it was quite a Columbus, Georgia's own. Yeah, Max it was Strong. quite a formidable formidable backfield, and they beat. Cal State Fullerton, 56 nothing, And the thing I remember, I don't really remember anything about the game. I just remember the downtown scene afterwards. And it was a nothing game. But, um, but that really uh, you know, made an impression on me. So fast forward three years. Somehow, by the grace of God, I got into Georgia when they were accepting summer school enrollees before the fall semester. And so I, I landed at that. And then, you know, it's been Georgia football ever since. Um, I met my wife up here. At a fraternity sorority party, I was a Sigma Chi. My wife was a Zeta. We met at a Halloween party uh, at the Sigma Chi house. And we quickly, upon graduation, quickly moved back to Atlanta. And so luckily I got a job a, Luckily, I got a job transfer back to Athens. And so that's what landed me here. We've been here 10 years. And like you, Tony, they'd have to take me kicking and screaming um, to, to leave this place. But I'm a proud UGA graduate. I, I got my diploma up there. If you will notice, though, I did start two years before my wife, and we have the same graduation date. That means you did it right. (laughs) I was here six years. (laughs) I had six football seasons, but it was the Ray Goff years. Right, yeah, yeah. Mid nineties. So it's like fifteen years. Yeah, it it was. It was really hard, you know. In fact, um, what I'll do is I'll tell a little story. One of the things that got us started on this whole podcast discussion, I asked Tony if he remembered the Braves winning 
1995 World Series. And of course, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody remembered that. And I remembered it too because I was in downtown Athens. And I remember people climbing. I didn't realize there were statues on Broad Street, but there are some statues yeah. on Broad Street, you know, that separate between the campus, you know, that little partition. Yeah, right near the arch. Right near the arch. And there were people climbing on it and, and everything. And, you know, I've got just a bitter taste in my mouth from the Braves winning the World Series. And I remember you asked me, well, why? You know, and I was kind of surprised, like, oh, wait, I think I have one on them, you know, like a little stat. And so what had happened there was that was the very same day, October 28th, 1995, the very same day that Steve Spurrier and his Florida Gators came into Sanford Stadium. And, Tony, you probably remember exactly what happened. Well, they hung a half hundred on us. Yeah, yeah. I think the final score is 52-17. to And that ruined my Braves experience because as I'm sitting there at Clyde's, I'm sure some people would remember Clyde's. <laughs> I was sitting there with Clyde's, and you know there's probably three lines deep of people, and <clears throat> just about every other person behind me had a like a suede, and this is mid '90s, a suede like Florida blue and orange jacket on, and they were big Braves fans because this is pre Marlins and pre uh, Devil Rays. But um, but yeah, I mean, so that that's my one memory of uh, 1995 in the Braves World Series and. From what I understand, Florida fans still wear those blue. Like the, it doesn't oh, yeah, the 90s. No, 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 I think no. they're still. They're still. Uh, they may still be nineteen. It's always nineteen ninety five in Gainesville. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and that's one of the things that, that's been hard, that I've tried to kind of learn is you know to learn. I know I, I know Illinois football history, and it's fine, we're, I think we're gonna have an ongoing joke in the podcast. Where at the end of every podcast, I get sixty seconds to talk about <laughs> Illinois football, and then I think you guys have to hit me with a mallet if I go over the sixty we'll have seconds. A time before yeah, and and, and those of you listening at home, that will be the perfect time to hit the fifteen second forward button four times on your iPhone, so you'll be able to go flying uh, right past that. But so for me, you know, and this is one thing I, I think is a way, kind of a good way to kick us off into a discussion of kind of what people are expecting out of this year, you know, obviously I'm not only from a Big Ten school, I'm from a really, really terrible Big Ten school in football. Like, you know, if, if we have a guy that wins six games every year, we'll build a statue. Like, it is, like, we loved Ron Zook for, like, an extended period of time, if you can believe that, because it's just, like, there's no expectations. So for me, it's very strange to come to a place like here where I look at Georgia football and I'm like, you guys are living the dream here. You guys, you, you guys have a year where you go ten and two, um, and we would we would be talking about that year for the next thirty years. How everything felt wonderful, and here it's a disappointment. And I understand why I'm getting into context why that is and why the expectations are so high, and why when you look around and you see, well, Auburn got theirs, and Alabama's got mm-hmm. theirs, and Florida's got theirs. It, it does seem at the level that Georgia is at. Uh, they should that national championship should be there. Uh, it's been so point. close, and, and 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 in particularly painful ways. It's been painfully it close. But so, but that's the thing, though. I and here's my question for you guys before we kind of get into the specifics about this year: Is there still because there's still an appreciation? Like it feels like the first loss every year. It's always yeah, Rick's not going to do it. Here we go again. Is there still an appreciation for what he's done, or is it now you better get that title or you're never going to be remembered in, in, in that kind of like tier? Well, that, that's a really interesting question because I actually wrote a post today at the Sports George Sports Blog about that very thing. If it were August 1980 and someone comes up and starts talking to us about Georgia's last national championship, which would have been 1946, that's 34 years. January 1st, 
1981 was 34 years ago. Oh, so wait, that's the, uh, I'm doing math. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it's time. What a factoid. It's not just time. It's time for us to stop thinking about 1980. Yeah, it's time yeah, for us. You know, we're in the middle of, I, I, I'm not... I'm not a I'm not I'm not a Rick apologist. I, I've been very direct about my feelings about Coach Rick. I love Coach Rick. Um, you know, I, I remember having a very specific discussion on the Marta platform after the Boise State game about I wonder if we can get Dan Mullen. You know, I'll confess my <laughs> sins to that. But the thing about Mark Rick is we're in the middle of the most successful 14-year period in the history of Georgia football. We just are. There's no other way to look at it, with the exception of one thing, if we don't have a national championship. That's the one thing. But and Vince Dooley played in a much easier SEC than Mark Rick has faced any one year. Every year in the SEC was easier because in any one year, in the years that Georgia was good, specifically, you had one more really good team. Usually it was Alabama. Yeah. A few years it was LSU. A few years it was Tennessee. But every year that Georgia's played in the SEC under Mark Rick, there has been at least four teams that were legitimate national title contenders. Even last year, I mean, you can look at, I mean, they were talking about Mississippi. Yeah. I'm as late as, Mississippi right. State was number one. Goal. Mississippi Two State. Put your right. mind around that. Right. Mississippi right. State was ranked number one in the nation. So the, I think, my, my personal opinion is that some of the changes that have taken place over the past two years specifically, and I don't mean, you know, Mike Bobo leaving. I think, that's a, that remains to be seen. I think Brian Schottenheimer is going to be fine. Um, I don't. And listen, it's good when a guy leaves for a head coaching job. Right. That's, like, not, that's what you want. That's not that a downgrade. Some, that means something good is right. happening. That's not a downgrade. It's not like well, – it's not frankly like they got fired they end up defensive coordinator at Tennessee like Joe right. Jansen. Right. right, right. Um, um, yes, and that is, a, that is a dig. Yes. Um, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is is that we have been very close, and that's the part that drives Georgia fans crazy, is that I think the most rational among us could look at what has been accomplished under Mark Rick and will always say, yeah, but if he doesn't put a crystal football in Busmere Hall. There's no way around that. And that will be a source of, of tailgate talk for many, many years if he doesn't put one in before he retires. Now, I think, to be fair... When you sit down and look at his entire body of work, that's the most ridiculous way to measure something. But that's something that most, a lot of fans, a lot of fans, not most fans, a lot of fans really only care about. Well, it's the professionalization of college sports. It is. It's, it is. it's the idea that, like, like you know, particularly college football, there was a time where if you made it, if you made it to the Sugar Bowl, your year was awesome. You did great. And now, now we want well, first we got two. Now there's four. Like it's going to start like. I feel like it intensifies the pressure for guys like this now. Because mm-hmm. now, like, winning a national championship is super hard. But theoretically speaking, making the college football playoff should be slightly easier. So if you can't reach that bar, I feel like that heats it up a little bit. Though it kind of looks like that's just winning the SEC. Right. <laughs> is what this, right. this going to look at? Well, which has also been two years. Well, the good corollary is NCAA basketball tournament. Right. People are always shocked when a coach is fired, when even after they make the tournament. Yeah. But there are some programs that expect more than of that. Of course. Of course. And, and they should expect more than that. But should Georgia expect <clears throat> a national Championship. It's so hard because look at Oregon. Oregon has changed the entire landscape of college football over the last 10 years. Yeah. But they haven't won one. And I think it's un- they're sad about it. But also, I don't think anyone in Oregon is like, man, what a failure. How frustrating this is. Yeah, that Brian like, Kelly guy. Yeah, like seriously. Um, or, and, and, and so, like, to me. Fire Helfrich. Like, 
And, and also, another thing I fear is uh, if they ever do get one... Yeah, why can't you win two, Red Yeah, Sox? right. Then, then everyone becomes Red Sox fans. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. You, sir. We, sorry, sorry, we sorry. Will fight. That was low. That um, was low. I apologize. But, you know, I think you make a very good point in, in that, look, I don't think for a second that Georgia's football coaches, mm-hmm. specifically, care less about winning a national championship than any other coaches, save Nick Saban, maybe. Or, or maybe Urban Meyer, and I'm not. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't say that. I say that. Don't say that tongue in cheek. I mean yeah. that. Yeah, I, that's I, because they're deeply unhappy people. Well, I, mean, yeah, die, I think who, who I can't believe who, who are, not, not who died are, of heart attacks who are already. Utterly driven by that. Unhappy. Of course, of course, right? Uh, exactly. That's exactly right. But, 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 but that brings me up to a question about Rick. This idea of is he driven? Like he's obviously driven to win. He's a great coach. He's has a lot of yes. success. But I think one thing that I'm not. I'm not saying I personally have this criticism, but I think this comes up a lot with him is. He, does he have that in like he seems he's a regular friendly guy people all tend to like him the press likes him he's certainly popular with it with uh with with all sorts of people outside of the ones that want national championships but i think that sometimes is a cudgel that's used to bludgeon him the idea that he is like if he hadn't had if he had that cutthroat nick saban urban meyer destroy everything they would have won one do you want to like tell me about the culture here you always hear about georgia kind of doing things the right way and not so on could could they have a Saban here, or is Rick even fit the culture enough that it's perfect, even if he doesn't win that title? You know, and I bring that up to both of you. But you know, uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I was reading an article today of Chip Towers on the AJC where he entered. He went out to um, Colorado State. Went out to <clears throat> where do they? What's the city they play in? Not Boulder. Another Colorado one. Springs. Colorado yes. Springs. Yes. I think. No, it's sure. not Colorado Springs. It's uh, Fort Collins. Laramie. I don't know. <laughs> they go to Laramie this it's year. It's the other side of the Mississippi. I, was I don't reading, know. I don't know why I was reading the um, schedule for them when I saw the interview, and they go to Wyoming. I was sitting there thinking, I'm I wonder if Mike Bobo's ever been in Wyoming. I don't know why I thought that. But he interviews uh, Mike Bobo, and Mike Bobo is quoted in the article saying, the misconception that makes me mad is that he, meaning Coach Richt, cares about building men. People talk about how I'm competitive. I'm telling you, Mark Richt is just as competitive. You know, And so he sits there through about – you know, a quarter of the article yeah. defending uh, Coach Rick and his competitiveness, talking about how the, how the first thing he would say in the morning is like, what game are we playing, meaning, you know, cards or whatever on a road trip yeah. or something. And, you know, he takes umbrage on the fact that most people, uh, you know, that's his old mm-hmm. OC. You know, he should, you know, he's that's one of his soldiers. He's going to stand up for him. But I kind of, I read it and I, I was very believable. But that, that brings up the question, why are they losing these games? Like, I, like, like you look at that team last year, it's, I, just, I can't believe they lost to Florida like that. Like, it's, it's astounding to me, and it seems like these happen on a very well, regular basis. Well, I, you know, Florida's different, but... It's, in, it's all up here. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I don't... Isn't that the job of a coach, is to make sure that all of here is... Look, we lost three games last year. One of them was totally on the coaches, and that was the Florida game. They, I, in my mind, they didn't prepare the team well enough. They let the team think we were going to be able to walk over Florida because, let's be clear, Florida was the worst Florida team we've had in a generation. Uh, the South Carolina game was a new defense with a new defensive coordinator. And basically, they, he met his match in Steve Spurrier, who was ready for what Jeremy Pruitt put on the field. Now, Steve Spurrier is usually really good at that because if you ask Steve Spurrier who he wants to beat, right? right he wants to be Georgia, he wants to be here versus City, him in Florida. Those are two people he wants to beat. Um, the most, uh, and then he wants to beat Davis Winnie because he likes toying with him. Um, <laughs> but so, see, is it, he looks like right, yeah. No, but the point is, is that you know, and then you look at the Georgia, the Georgia Tech game. We we got out physicaled in the Georgia Tech mm-hmm. game, and frankly, they still should, probably should have won that. And they should have won the game. <laughs> right. They still outplayed Georgia Tech, <laughs> right, 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 right? right? So you know, if you want to look at last season, 
There is one game, and only one game, that I think you can just lay absolutely at the feet of the coaches. Yeah, that's Florida. That's Florida. And there was no, but they ran for 399 yeah. yards. Yeah. I was there. I saw every yard. But and to see the way they, they dismantled them, to see the way they dismantled Missouri, to see a team that can do that. Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. Like, to see a team that can do that. And I'm not saying this is a criticism of Rick. Again, I can't, I, 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 like, you guys have this incredible coach. I don't know why anyone's on his case all the time. But certainly, there's something there. There's something when you look around. Alabama doesn't have losses like that. They just don't. Except they oh. do. They got their tails kicked by Utah in the Sugar Bowl, a team they had no business It's a bowl to. game. Like, a bowl game is a little different. A bowl game that's not a national championship bowl game is but, a little bit different. But, but, Will, you can't say Nick Saban's always on, except when he's not. It's like it's like people in the pros. People said, Tim Tebow never loses, except when he does. Yeah, okay, fine, fine. That's fair. But certainly, you rarely see the Alabama out-of-nowhere crazy regular season loss. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Right, um, and it's and when you do, it's like a crazy Manzel going insane kind of like. Or, and they still didn't lose that game. Yeah, right. <laughs> then I'm asked, where does that lead us now going into this season? The idea of like, because it well, does seem like from the outside, and I, I guess I'm from the inside. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm from the inside now. You tailgate on campus, right? Tailgate on campus, um, and it seems to me while the schedule is difficult and they face some tough teams from the West. It still seems set up for them, particularly in how we can argue about Tennessee, we can argue about Missouri, particularly when it looks, they look to me clearly like the best team in that division. Mm -hmm. And I still find it hard to believe unless they lose three regular season games. uh, If they win two, if they, even if they lose two or lose one and win the SEC championship, they're going to that playoff. No, and they should, they should, especially, especially when you play, uh, Either either Alabama or Auburn is going to be one of the top two teams in the West. I don't think – I have my opinions about which one that will be. We'll right. get to that later. Um, you know, Georgia's going to have to go on the road uh, and beat a Tennessee team that's going – that everybody yeah. thinks is going to be resurgent. Right after right, Alabama. Right after Alabama, which remains to be seen. Right. Uh, they're going to beat a team in Georgia Tech that, by all rights, should be in the discussion for the ACC championship uh, spot from the – Coastal or Eastern or whatever. <laughs> From the legends. <laughs> the legends. Um, so, you know. They changed that, didn't they? They did. They, they did. just East and West. East and West. Not okay. the ACC, though. They're yeah. still the Coastal and the And, and nobody knows Atlantic. who's in what. I think it's the Coastal and the Coastal Atlantic. I mean, we can look it up on the Atlantic or Coastal? Yes, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we At this point. I don't coastal. Think, honestly, don't, I'm, which one's Maryland is? I don't think Dabu's winning. No, no Maryland's the Big Ten. <laughs> so, that's your question. <laughs> um, Rutgers so, is in the coastal. That's but, but realistically, and this gets to kind of maybe what we've been hinting at, is the changes have been made in the program since the Belk Bowl. Um, I, in my mind, point towards a, a little different renewed focus. Um, now, Mark Rick would never actually say the reasons we've been held back have been X, Y, and Z. That's not how he operates. But there have been a couple of things, strength and conditioning, um, not in facilities, but I'm not talking about indoor practice facility. I'm talking about kind of uh, willingness to spend money on bells and whistles, uh, whether that be video, whether that be non-field coaches, um, uh, specialists who really, their job is to sit. I mean, and there was a lot made of of Mark Rick saying, we don't really pay that close attention to advanced stats. That's crap. He has somebody that pays attention to advanced stats and actually tells him or his coordinators, actually, this is what you need to look at. These are the tendencies. So he might not, he and, you know, he and Bill Connolly might not be able to have a conversation about advanced stats, but Mark Rick uses advanced stats. 
Um, but that's a new, that's relatively new for Georgia. Um, so those are the sorts of things that is he at the end of his career? He's like, I got to get one. Like, do you think that's what's what's spurring this? Well, I think you know the rumor five years ago after the debacle in the Liberty Bowl was. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to leave in the next couple of years and go be a missionary. Yeah. I still think that's his and Catherine's long-term plan. Yeah. They're going to—I do think one day he's going to walk in, I'm done here, sell everything, and yeah. use the millions of dollars he's made for good. I really do think that's going to happen. Does that happen in 2016 if he gets a championship in 15? Yeah. Does that happen in 2020 if he gets a, you know, a couple? I don't know. Because he's still a relatively young man yeah. and still has—I mean, frankly, he still has—he still has it. Have you—I mean— we had what, a top five recruiting class oh, this yeah. year. Um, I don't. I really don't like to talk about recruiting until we get to usually Tuesday afternoon, that third, to, second Tuesday in February. But you know, a lot of kids have get committed. It's pointing in the right direction. Right, it's pointing in the right direction. It, it, in pointing the direction, it needs to be pointed in. Uh, we're in the right living rooms. I guess the right way of putting it. So you know, I I think there's there's opportunity here, and we'll talk about this a little later on. I'm really trending high on Georgia this year and really trending high on Georgia the next two years. I don't, I, you know, I think it's hard. I think everybody assumes we're going to have a true freshman starting a quarterback next year. Uh, but the, realistically, um, I think there are some very legitimate claims about Mark Rick and his coaching. Uh, the first is he's been really hard headed about change. Uh, he, I think everybody, if you were to really ask him, get him an honest moment, he would tell you he would never do this, but he would tell you, yeah, I held. I, there have been times where I've, I've held on the coaches a year too long. I've resisted making a change. This guy is a guy in 15 years has rechanged. He has retooled his career three times. Think about that. <laughs> How many? I mean, I've changed. My career has changed three times in 15 years by not some of not by, not by my choice. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, mine's changed by getting fired. Right, right. <laughs> so you know, and I don't have a Tumblr page. But the but the reality of the reality of it is is that he has been he has been far more adaptable to the change in the landscape of college football than some coaches that have national championships. Nick Saban, Les Miles, um, Gene Jessic. Almost, almost got that without laughing. Bless you, because I'm sorry. Um, so, but but in in reality, he has been. Uh, he has has had the ability to to remake who he is as a coach and a person without losing kind of that core of we're building men here. Our goal is to get them out of college, and if they get a chance to play in the NFL, we want to give them that chance. But they're going to go out and represent the G in a way that all of us can be proud of. There, there are very few examples of guys that have left this program that haven't done that. Yeah. Is that I mean? I, and again, you know, I come in from that. I didn't go to Georgia, so I have no. Like particular investment, and like that, it sounds like a, gr- a great thing. You want people to graduate; that's important. But like, you know, like it doesn't like that. I I have season tickets, and I want them to win. <laughs> like I want well, that to happen. And I, I guess I guess my question, I guess for you, Scott, as well, is that like, listen, I'm a Cardinals fan. The thing I'm constantly getting yelled at for being a Cardinals fan is you guys do it the right way. You don't, and I don't think that's really true. I think that's more of an outside thing that's put on us. But certainly Georgia-wise, they tend to make a... I remember when, when there was this talk about the new basketball coach, and they were like, well, are they going to go after Bruce Pearl? And it was obvious Georgia was never going near Bruce no, Pearl or anyone Bruce like Pearl. Bruce Pearl, but in a way that t- like Tennessee obviously would and Auburn yeah. obviously would. And so obviously there's something about Georgia that has a we-are-not-touching-that-stuff. On one hand, that's great. That's awesome. On the other hand, don't you... It's got to ask you this as an alum. Is, do you have... Is that great as long as you win a championship? Like, if you win a championship and you get to be held up like that, 
Is that great? Or is there always going to be an itch to be like, great, we're doing it the right way, but I'd really like to get that title. Like I said, I went to my first Georgia game in 1992, and then I started college in 94. I was there in 94 when Heinz Ward showed up. And you, But the problem was is we had Ray Goff, and then Jim Donovan did a good job, but I was seeing wins of like six, seven, you know, a, a losing season where we didn't go to a bowl game. Um, that horrible loss in the Peach Bowl to Virginia where we thought we were going to win and then they returned the kick and, you know, break our hearts, which we got them back a couple years later because, you know, and here I go on a tangent, but the thing that drove me crazy was we played Virginia, Wisconsin, and Purdue, it seemed like, every year in the bowl games. You remember that, Tony? Yes, it, it seemed all like too every, well. It's, it's, like you know things aren't going well when you're playing Purdue in the bowl game. Yeah, it year. seemed like <laughs> for a 10-year span, that's all we did was just run. I mean, I still have Drew Brees' cell phone number. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but I... I won a championship more than anybody. But if you look back at the history of 10-win seasons and, like, the stat that you just gave about how he's done in his past 14 years, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. And I just worry that maybe we get a little bit too greedy at times. I mean, I'm a Braves fan. I'm a Falcon fan. I'm a Hawks fan. And I'm a Georgia fan. And I look at that, and I think back to the only thing I've got, and I was four when Georgia won the title in 80, but the only thing I've got is that 95 95- World Series championship, and then immediately think of Florida beating us. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, and I think that's worth noting. I come from the Larry Munson school of pessimism. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's worth noting that of those teams that you've listed, by far, without question, 100%, not even a question about it, Georgia is the most consistent successful team of all of them. Oh, yeah. Like, and, close. and so, like, to me, that is, that, that's the point, is how much is a title really like that Braves title was great but really they did nothing but disappoint their fans and they've had the another come down like even when they were good they were always coming at this level of disappointment whereas Georgia you there this is a top 10 like this is a top 10 college football program no question I think some would argue they should be in the top three or top five and the Staples thinks we're first yes yes there's no question yes there's no question that they're in the top 10 so it's but it does seem like them being were they in the top 10 before Rick no. no, no, no. We tore so, down the goalposts when we beat Tennessee back in 2000. <laughs> I mean, we tore down the goalposts. Well, not not me. Well, maybe me personally. <laughs> maybe personally. But I mean, that's the thing is that, like, why – it just seems very strange to me that, that Rick, who's the guy that got this to be this top ten program, is now blamed for not being a number one program. Well, and I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that's like – because I love social media. I'm not going to be the guy. Get off my lawn guy. But part of it is social media, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, pre – Pre-social media, let's let's go back to 2000, let's pick a date, 2005, 2005. Um, Championship season. Right, 2005. You know, let's say we were in 2005 and Rick had started in 91. Uh, Let's assume everything else was equal. I don't think we would have the the overarching, uh, yeah, Georgia always loses the game, ha, 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 and Rick's lost control of, ha, ha, ha. And some of that's just made up and because it is – it exactly. is cute. It's cute. Yeah. And I participated in it. And I can relate that to and the Cardinal Way thing. Right, the Cardinal Way. That's exactly that's that's not something that we that's, actually that's just made up. Yeah, it's because, made up. It's because not something it's, we say. It's no. just a social media thing that yeah, comes up. It's cute. It's right. fun. Right, and, right. And, and frankly, it's true about Cardinal fans. But no, I'm joking. <laughs> anyway. I'm joking, Will. I'm joking. Um, the I, I just think, threw a table across the room. <laughs> you can't actually hear this. By the way, I had to under on 54 minutes the first time Will mentions the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. um, They're down three one to the Pirates right now. But so but, uh, <laughs> um, but in, in reality, some of this is made up. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now there are some legitimate con- complaints that you could have, uh, and I talked about those about Rick remake himself. His uh, whether it's loyalty or his inability to to really step back and be 
uh, strategic in making change because he hadn't been resistant change. I don't even think he's resistant to change anymore. Yeah. I think he's he has been he is now to the point where he recognizes, uh, and maybe there is an urgency because he realizes that you know he doesn't want to be Steve Spurrier. He doesn't want to be coaching at seventy three. Yeah. Um, so you know the next five to seven years is kind of the it's the time. If it's going to happen for him, it's the time. And it does look to me you see programs that that atrophy when someone's there for a really long time mm-hmm. or start to or calcify is probably actually a better way to put it where like there is this sense that everyone so you're going to get a re- cha- I'm sorry do you have a are we throwing an example Mark Rick's not going to Frank Beamer this thing yeah that's exactly right that's exactly he'll leave exactly before right. he'll, he'll leave before that happens and that's the thing is that like like or like and not even like or late era Bowden or so on yeah. not, it's not even so much that because I because I feel like the thing that's interesting about this it this feels because I agree with you, the way the direction, the way things are going, it feels as like there's renewed vigor and a renewed mm-hmm. focus. This feels like a finishing kick. This feels like a, it's like I got it. Like we we gotta win one of these. We right. got we and and I'm not saying that like he's like Mark Rick. I think will generally be beloved and will be a perfectly happy, fine person if he doesn't win a championship here. Oh, He'll go on yeah. to have a perfectly happy life and do really great things in the world. But clearly, as you kind of talked about Scott with that story uh, with that Boba quotes, this guy once to win and once that championship as bad as the fans that are constantly well, probably a lot more than the fans oh, that are yeah. constantly yelling at him and it, this, he seems to have the look and the way the decisions that he's made of a guy that 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 wants to make sure wants to make sure that happens yeah and I think that's probably right uh, you know when you sit back and look at especially since that night in Memphis where we just not only not just showed up the plays like the coaches even looked disinterested yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are an utterly so different program. Uh, there's a there's a blogger out there uh, uh, that that actually wrote how different Georgia's program is. It is almost like, with the exception of a name at the top of the letterhead, we have an entirely new coaching staff. We actually have had the coaching change that people called for. Yeah. Now it wasn't the way they liked it, but we've had the coaching change. Entire defensive overall. Well, to entire offensive overhaul now, with the exception of uh, with the exception of McClendon, mm-hmm. I guess Ball. But you know the the fact Ball that left. oh yeah, Ball did leave. You're right. He's right. LSU now. Yeah, I don't keep up with this. But no, um, but, and, and I think I think one key thing that that a lot of people have, haven't really focused on, but I think it will be as the season progresses, is McClendon going back to receivers yeah, coach and then bringing Thomas, Thomas freaking Brown. Brown in, <clears throat> one of my favorite all time players. And let's not forget who he coached at Wisconsin last year, right? Melvin uh, Griffin. Melvin Griffin. That's yeah. right. So. Yeah, I mean, but he was everybody's favorite running back. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, people that think that we're going to let Gurley care. I mean, Gurley. I'm sorry Chubb. I did that. Chubb uh, run the ball 34 times a game. I don't see that happening. I, really, I just don't. I think we have enough. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to. Right. That's exactly right. We don't right. have to, uh, which is one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, we'll get to Heisman stuff later, but I think Chubb has a shot at, at, at oh, being in New York. I don't think he'll win it. Come a piece of paper. This is yeah, where I need. I'm, I'm, I'm a little mad at myself for not bringing notes. You're gonna leave I, got, I got a leak You don't need this. I mean, I'll need it back. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> I get this. I can have this. Here, let me get this back. Let's have a little. You need to go buy now. one of those. Uh, this is gonna be my favorite. I have. I have four. Walmart or something. Four. So now that we've uh, kind of discussed the basically state of the program pertaining to Coach Rick and the and how they better win a championship. Right. Ah. How they better win a championship. So. Tony, I'm, I'm still fire Bobo. I don't fire, know. fire, fire, <laughs> fire! Get him out of there. Go to wherever the hell he is in Colorado and get him out of there. 
Tony, one of my uh, biggest concerns, you know, that I think a lot of people tend to gloss over, and it's always kind of in the back of my mind, it's almost like I don't really want to talk about it, but it's the fact that we don't have an established quarterback. And the last thing I saw of Bryce Ramsey was okay, but it wasn't something that you would, you know, mount a program on his shoulders, so to speak. But I could be wrong. You know, I mean, what, what do you know about him and uh, Faton? Balta. Balta. And Balta. what's the, the Grayson guy? Lambert. Grayson Lambert. Okay. So Certainly name-wise, Grayson Lambert. Who is You magnificent to... bastard, Grayson Lambert. <laughs> so Which is funny because he's from Jessup. I know. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's a Pace Academy. Yeah, uh, yeah that name. does. He, he he is a Wayne County yellow jacket. It's Grayson Bob back. Lambert. Grayson Bob. <laughs> Jim, Jim Bob Grayson So Bob. who is going to win the quarterback? Or is there or you know, is that I just, settle till maybe week I three? Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I think the, the honest answer to that is I don't think any of us know anybody that says they know um, <laughs> David Pollock uh, or anybody else that says they have some inside. And, just, you know, it's nothing. I mean, these guys have a lot more information than either three of us sitting in this room do. But um, I don't think, you know, the, who is the quarterback is concerned in two very specific situations. One if our offensive line is terrible. Um, I don't think it will be. Um, There's a question about the center. Well, I think, I think Kubelnow is going to take that and just run with it. He's, he's a really talented guy. Um, and if not, you know, there's, there's a couple other guys. I think on we have three line. redheads on the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, we we're, we're very ginger heavy. Very pro-ginger. Uh, pro um, so the – Cartman hates it. <laughs> otherwise wow, wow. Uh, the second situation is is that if somehow we have a game like we had uh, was it two years ago I don't remember even the, even the Florida game this past year where, we, nothing's going right. where nothing's going right and we actually have to change up our game plan and we need to come from behind uh, mm-hmm. those are two situations where having a competent uh, not just a game manager, but more than a game manager quarterback, more than A.J. McCarron, um, for example. Um, which leads into my second concern, which is wide receivers. Um, yeah. You know, we have a couple of guys that we know are, are proven wide receivers. One of them is an injury, has injury issues. The freshman and Terry Godwin that we thought was going to step up is injured, although it's not that severe. It's okay. not, I'm hearing it's not that severe. Um, you know, we have some, uh, some other guys that are a little unproven, but, you know, that. Both of those things kind of work hand in hand to me because in order for, I think in order this year for us to to really take the next step, we have to have more of a downfield passing attack because we, we're not able to do that very much, particularly against Florida or Georgia Tech. And we were never able to get the separation from Georgia Tech that we needed to have, uh, especially down late because then we started running the ball because that was our best, that was our best option. And Georgia Tech basically said, fine, run the ball. We know you're not going to throw it over 24 yards. And Gurley got hurt. So, um, so my question is: You've got speedsters like Justin Scott Wesley, right. Reggie Davis, you right. know, who two years ago were you thought were on the fast track, yeah. you know, but yeah. then Wesley gets hurt and Reggie Davis is, you know, he's been serviceable. Um, but you know, what do you where do you go after you if you got Mitchell and maybe Godwin, like you said, you know, five star <laughs> recruit, but then. Then what do you do? You, do you take uh, Blazevich or Jay Rome? Well, that, that's you're you're exactly right, and I think the, that's one of the reasons I think it's Bryce, still Bryce Ramsey's job to lose because he has he has the best footwork, which is something that Mark Rick really really values. Uh, he throws the best deep ball. Um, he has the strongest arm, and he also is probably the best at what Rick likes to do. And by extension, I would have to think Schottenheimer likes to do, which is 
um, you know, five step drop, check off your progressions, uh, and use the play action to set that up. Um, the that and that that's why I think uh, that's really why I think it's it's still Bryce Ramsey's job to lose. Um, I that, and I've come one eighty on that. I, I mean, I was in the spring. I was like, well, it's clear it's gonna be Balter, right? Because if it were Bryce Ramsey were good enough, he would never have lost the job. Um, there's some things I've heard, and it makes me think that. Um, it really was a competition because Schottenheimer wanted to see everybody, and so I think it's, I think it's Ramsey's job to lose for that very reason. And, and let's be clear, uh, Bryce Ramsey is a very talented quarterback. Um, I think the knock on him, which is is not whether it's fair or unfair, is that um, he is a little more laid back than Balton. Balton's a lot more fiery. He, I mean, he's a running quarterback. He likes to get hit. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> they're I, about the same size. They're about the same size, but Balta, that's just his game. Yeah. He, it just is. Uh, and anybody that thinks Grayson Lambert's going to be the starting quarterback is either they, I need to meet their guy. Yeah. Or um, Virginia people think it's hilarious. Yeah, Virginia people not only think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, they think it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching him for some reason. I remember against Virginia Tech last year, yeah. and they were close to winning that game, and they they lost, and it was a it was a bowl bid. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's be clear. Lambert's issues at Virginia were not all Lambert. They right. they are a woefully under talented team, yeah. even for the ACC. You know, the reality is is Grayson Lambert's a perfectly fine quarterback. He he wouldn't be here if he were not an improvement over other options. Um, is he going to step in after essentially three months and take a job from two guys that have been here three years? No, that's not happening. But uh, isn't this the general worry about the team? Like, if, let's theoretically – isn't this almost mistimed to have this much talent all around the team to – these are competent quarterbacks, maybe even above average quarterbacks – but, like, just theoretically speaking, if this is lined up to where it's Aaron Murray's senior year yeah. coming into the year or it's Matthew Stafford, is this – this is are we talking about the number one team? Like, but but haven't you just described A.J. McCarron? Does Georgia have that much talent? Like, that Alabama team? Uh, they do. Not as – maybe not as old. Maybe right. not as experienced. Uh, which like, that team was a machine. It was a machine. And then that leads me to my second concern is our depth. Uh, you know, we're – Probably for the first time in seven years, playing at full scholarship. Uh, maybe last year was the first. Maybe last year was the first year, but we have a lot of freshmen that we're going to need to contribute. Uh, defensive line, we talked about a little yeah. bit with Trent Thompson, Jonathan Ledbetter. Um, you know, if they if they play because they they play because they're um, so much better than the guys we have here, we're in trouble. If they play because they're so much better than the guys we have here, we'll be fine, but, right? Um, so it yeah. still just seems a lot. Like, everything seems lined up, and then we have... Like, is, if Ramsey wins the job, is he the quarterback for the next three years? No, I don't okay. think so. Okay, isn't that a concern? Isn't that a concern for a team that has legitimate national championship uh, national championship ambitions? Well... To have a guy who has a quarterback that's basically fine, good footwork, better, but a placeholder. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, if the, he's, the guy he's placeholding for is the next Matt Stafford, is that a fair... Assumption. I mean, well, but even then, Matt Stafford didn't step in. But the, that goes back to what we're talking about with Coach Rick. If if the kid out of Washington steps up and is everything that everybody, not just Georgia fans, right. everybody says he is, he'll come in and win the job, which is not something that Matt Stafford could have said he was going to do. Right, right. And Matt Stafford's easily the best, like, prototypical pro quarterback that's played the college game in the past 10 years. I mean, and I don't say that as a Georgia homer. I say that's just right. a, like you look at who's come out, who has actually come to college, probably as ready as, as ready as anybody has been coming out of high school, and that's where that's where Jacob Eason is. Um, 
So, you know, but I think it's a fair question. I don't necessarily uh, think it's a determinant, but I think it's a fair question because you're right. We do have, we are going to have to rely on some young guys. Um, There's going to be a moment. There's going to be a There's moment against that, Alabama or but, Auburn. But, but, Tennessee. but that, but I hope it's not Vanderbilt. But no, here's the thing. <laughs> if that moment happens at Vanderbilt or happens at, um, you know, happens with Kentucky, we're probably fine. Yeah. If that moment happens with, or even Florida this year, because I think we're going to be loaded for bear for Florida. <laughs> yeah. um, if that moment happens with Alabama in the third quarter, we're in trouble. Yeah. So the 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 real issue in my mind is, um, is is are, it's Mark Rick we're going to see going to be the 2012 Mark Rick that really did a good job of coaching his team up to to rebound from a tough loss. Um, but really, and also was able to pull everybody together and let's, let's really like make good stuff happen. Or is this going to be the 2010 Mark Rick where, or, or 2014 at the Florida game, Mark Rick, mm-hmm. where we're going to have a game. We just take off because eh, we should beat them. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, I see you, uh, one of your, your final points you have written down is uh, special <laughs> teams. And that seems to be a concern because, I mean, you've already heard a little, some some talk about Isaiah McKenzie kind of being banged up. He is small, but he's electrifying and could absolutely set the stage for the Georgia special teams. Well, I'm not I'm not as worried about our return game unless we get really conservative again. Um, I, I'm a little more interested to see what we do on punts and punt coverage. I think last year we played a lot of punts to do to to do the least damage. Kind of going back to the to the um, to Fair Catch University, but going back to punts, um, you know, and, and part of that is because I don't I think there's some confidence issues with Colin Barber, um, mm-hmm. and then you look at kickoffs. Uh, we look at kickoffs. We're talking about uh, thinking about Rodrigo Blankenship, who he's like the specialist kickoff guy. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that that's a, was a preferred walk on out of uh, Marietta, right? I think he maybe participated in Rex Robinson's camp. If not, Rex Robinson's one of those other big kicking camps over and. In Atlanta, uh, guy's got a boomer leg, and he he is more than likely going to be handling all kicking duties, punting, kicking, kickoffs, um, tail, whatever you want to say it is. He's going to be doing everything next year. But you know, if Blankenship gives us the opportunity to have more touchbacks, which I think Mark Rick would really like. Yeah, with it moved up. Yeah, with it moved up, I think he'll take that. Um, I think we've gone from the whole let's kick it in the corner and give our guys a chance to cover it, yeah. uh, which is I still have hives over that. Yeah. Um, the the thing that the other the one last part about special teams is um, how aggressive will we get on um, on trying to block more kicks, punts specifically. Um, uh, one of the little snippets that come out of camp is we're going to have more. Uh, we're more scholarship like Boss Bailey esque, right? That's right. We're going to have more scholarship players on special teams. Um, I didn't read that to really think it's uh, it's a it's a great boon for the kick return or punt return team. I view that as punt uh, punt block, particularly punt punt block coverage, aggressiveness, aggressiveness, and punt blocking and kick and kick blocking. Um, if our special teams, if they really unleash the hounds, uh, if let's play aggressive on special teams, I mean, that's a that's a game a year. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Will, you're a baseball fan. Uh, you're talking about war. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is a huge difference maker if you have the talent to do that uh, and not really wins over replacements. It's not an exact analogy. But, 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 you know, it is – Bill Conley would say it's worth points. Right. And it is worth points, like multiple points a game. One thing I like about even just the way you're talking about this is, you know, for a team that is 
having a uh, as I I'm not going to call Bryce Ramsey or whoever a placeholder quarterback all year, but certainly has a quarterback that they're not expecting to be a major playmaker or do not need to be a major major playmaker. There, this doesn't feel like a conservative game plan. Like it feels like there's an aggressiveness to what they're doing on on all oh, aspects of the game that you don't often see from a team that doesn't expect that much from the quarterback. And I think if you were to ask Jacob Eason, even Jacob Eason, he would say, "I hope Bryce Ramsey comes in and I have to retro next year." Yeah, yeah. Right? I think he, I think he would be honestly would say that because that means Bryce Ramsey is the quarterback everyone thought he was going to be coming yeah. out of Camden County. Uh, th- uh, three years ago, and that also means he's getting looks for the in, in uh, NFL after after sixteen. So you know that still gives Jacob Easton his his two years to come in and play if he's as ready as he's like. I mean, you know, the thing about the whole quarterback question is is that if we didn't have Jacob Easton coming in, this realistically would be who's our starting quarterback for the next three years. Yeah. So I have to think that part of what the coaching staff is looking at is we have to approach it that way until Jacob Eason actually shows up on campus. Um, Which is the other reason I think Bryce Ramsey is the guy we have because we're not going to have Nick Chubb after, uh, after next year. Um, And we, we need to be in a position to, to have a quarterback to be stable and, and whether that is Bryce Ramsey for town Balta or, or, it can't be Grayson Lambert because he's now going to be getting a master's in philosophy or whatever it is he's getting. Um, We have to be in a position to, uh, to have that kind of offensive consistency in 16 and 17. Let's talk about Tim Beckman. Yeah. The most popular and Let's be segment. clear. I'm going to want to – because I – Yes. I took my kids. With Illinois. I took my kids. Kid, actually, I have a great story about Illinois. <laughs> we took my kids to a Northwestern Illinois game, and my kids spent the whole time asking when – one, when's the band going to play, and two, when's the Georgia game start? Like, literally. <laughs> I mean, we're in the, we were in the South End Zone there in the Orchard. Um which they both were fair questions. Yeah, yeah, fair. Questions. It was a yeah. it was a terrible Illinois Northwestern. And one of the things that's frustrating for me, and we'll talk about the segment, but like what Illinois football, you know, growing up Illinois basketball is a much bigger deal. Lou Hinson, the Flying Illini, the Great D Brown, Darren Williams teams. It's more of a it's it is straight because I've seen tickets for Georgia basketball, and people are like, "Oh, that's cute. You like oh, basketball? Good for you." So and which is frankly the way and we you, are. And you got tickets. Where do you want to sit? Yeah, exactly. Like, do you, you got wanna, front row seats. Yeah, do you want to play here? Wait, you got so some eligibility. <laughs> And so, um, but what's funny is that, you know, uh, we think that way about football in Illinois. Like, like, and, but it, that's a shame because when I was like 14 or 15, you know, Illinois, remember the year that Colorado won the national championship? Oh, yeah. Illinois, Illinois beat that team. Yeah, oh, yeah. Illinois yeah. beat that. That was, a, that was back when you could win. They were win. beach ball champions that year. Yeah, yeah. That was, that, that was back when you could win. Uh-huh. When you could lose a game and tie a game mm-hmm. and still be voted first in the AP poll, which is what Colorado was. Were well, you talking about Colorado hashtag back in 1990? Hashtag, yeah. hashtag Georgia Tech. Yes. But then yes. They, yeah, they, they split it, didn't yes. they? Yes. All, no, all I know is Georgia Tech shared a shared – the title with Colorado, yeah. and I will never forgive Colorado for not winning one more game. And, <laughs> and but Illinois beat Colorado that year. Illinois, yeah, so sorry. And um, but that's the thing is that like you know I remember a time where listen now that I've been to Sanford Stadium, I thought that Memorial Stadium rocked back in 1990, and it did well, not. I've been to well, Sanford Stadium, but it, did. but it was loud. It was a big deal. Yeah. Like there, there was that place was full. Yeah, you know it, it was it was people were into it. Now, you know, it's funny, you mentioned in the, fir- in the first podcast how I'm at this, Memorial Stadium is the same that only holds 60,000 people. Trust me, the, the number of people it can hold is not the problem. It's the number of people that are actually, it actually holds. Like, it's really sad. You know, there's this ongoing game among, among Illinois beat writers um, <clears throat> taking pictures of the stands like five minutes before kickoff, and it's just... 
It's oh, very depressing. Well, like, I never went to a game yeah. where if I wasn't tailgating, I didn't drive to literally to the corner of Fourth and um, what's it, Pennsylvania, where the yeah. law school was, and park there, which is a block from the stadium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's 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 an entirely different experience than here. And I was there the year they went to the Rose Bowl with Zook. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I was there in 07. Yeah. Well, can we talk about what they did to Georgia in 07? Keeping Who? that uh, the matchup that everybody wanted to see. Georgia versus USC. Yes, because and then Illinois. It was it wasn't Illinois' fault. It was Ohio State's fault. Yeah, it was the Big Ten commissioner's fault. Well, Jim Delaney's fault. Yeah. yeah. But Ohio State, when they got bumped into the national championship yeah. game, insisted on putting it. And Illinois, a game against where they we knew going in, and like and they played oh, USC. There was nobody they were going to destroy. Nobody knew it. And you know, again, as an Illinois fan, I'm like, we we're in the we Rose got destroyed Bowl. in the Rose Bowl. Look, and it was look, so awesome. Look, we're playing in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and it was it was terrific. And but I mean, as I said, growing up, you know, I mean, Illinois football was legitimate. Like that 1984 team, yeah. very well could have won the national championship. Yeah, that the year. Sugar Bowl. They lost in the Rose Bowl to uh, New Heisel in UCLA. What yeah. year did they play in the Sugar Bowl? Sugar Bowl. Yeah. That was later. That was the Kirk Kittner year. That was okay, when they lost yeah. to Rohan Davey yeah. and Kirk and LSU. Oh, oh, yeah. And um, yeah, no, so, but no, and, like and but, Jeff George. But oh. you know, Jeff George's son is the second string quarterback. Is the backup quarterback for Illinois. Nice. I'm he does not have the house seven wins. Yeah. I'm changing my prediction about something. He does not no, have yeah. a howitzer, unfortunately. I mean, he may, but uh, not in his arm anyway. Um, so, <laughs> is that this recurring segment? This recurring segment is um, I get one minute right. to talk about Illinois football. I want, I want to lead in with Illinois football. There will be times. You're holding up to the mic. I will. There, I will. there will be times where a minute will. Be inadequate, but it is more likely that one minute will be more time than I do. Do think we should definitely shut him off right at sixty seconds, even yeah. if he's in mid sentence? I'll, I'll, I'll ring a bell. Okay. All right. Hold on. Okay. I so one minute on Illinois football. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is really true. It, and honestly, it really should be for Spencer Hall. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. We're gonna do the final line. I hold okay. on. <laughs> All right, so one minute and go. So the general consensus, obviously, is if you talk to every single uh, person says Beckman is the first guy on the hot seat, he's the first one to be fired. I have to say there's there's two separate things. One is the off-field stuff, whether there's been bullying with the player, with the coaches and so on, and one is the on-field stuff. If the off-field stuff is true that he's bullying players, he's got to be fired. But to me, that has nothing to do with what's going on on-field, which, frankly, they've gone from two wins to four wins to six wins. Now, to you Georgia people, that's nothing. But to Illinois, we went to a bowl game last year. We can't believe it. So I think they are going to win seven games this year and make another bowl game. I think I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're gonna, they're, this is a better team. This is People forget Ron Zook destroyed the Illinois franchise. They had nobody. He took them three years to rebuild. I am pro-Beckman. He's a Dork every time he talks, he's awful. But they're winning seven games this year. Go Illini, that's who it is. Go Illini. They have a time to spare. That was yeah, five seconds left. Go Illinois yeah. basketball too. <laughs> oh, uh, it won't ring. Um, so go so go Illini. For what it's worth, I think Illinois wins seven games. I think they win seven games. I think I think uh-huh. and it's they're going to white they play they play Northwestern last game of the year. Oh, it's gonna be field. so awesome. And, they, and I have to say the dirty secret is that Northwestern is actually terrible and Pat Fitzgerald is actually a lousy coach. He's actually awful. 
And the problem is they the reason they've been so much better is because they every year play four nobodies. They get four wins on the schedule. They win oh, seven yeah. games. They have the Bill Snyder Memorial schedule. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And like Fitz, and like that team has started to fall apart in the last three years. Fitz was awful with that unionization game thing. By the way, let's not forget when those players talked about unionizing. Oh yeah, and Fitz was like, uh, I'm, they, can, they, can, they can do whatever they want, but they better not unionize. Fitzgerald is not a great coach and actually not a great person. Oh. So it's exciting for me to see the last couple of years of Northwestern starting to fall off. And, and, and But people still like, is Illinois such a joke? They assume that Northwestern is this, in this better position than Illinois is. And frankly, they're not. Illinois is going to wipe them out at Soldier Field. Okay, so I'm, they wiped them out two years in a row now. They're going to do it again. Being from Georgia, I'm having a hard time with this. Do, do this like SAT-like for me. Illinois is to Northwestern as Georgia is to... I feel like that's a tougher one. It's really more like Illinois is... Illinois is to North... Okay, Illinois is to Northwestern the way that Georgia is to Georgia Tech. And okay. and, and I'd say that in obviously uh, different variations. But, like, you guys talk about Georgia Tech. Like, Georgia Tech considers you a legitimate rival. Yes. You guys consider Georgia Tech this team that you better beat. They're so cute. Yeah, look at you. You actually consider us our rival. That's how Illinois is. That's how Illinois feels about Northwestern, which is the irony, of course, is every other team in the Big Ten feels that way about Illinois. Like, we consider oh, Indiana yeah. our big rival yeah, in the it, basketball, and they're like, oh, that's nice. That's good for you. You consider us your rival. And I think that's how Illinois feels about Northwestern in the way that you guys... And then Georgia, Georgia Tech is better than Northwestern, just like Georgia is better than Illinois. But I do feel like that is the general relation of a school that we think we should beat every year, yeah, and think, they consider us our rival. I think the better analogy is Ole Miss-Mississippi State, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. football-wise. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and by no means am I comparing Northwestern anything with Mississippi State anything. Uh, other than that analogy, and it's still crazy to think that Mississippi State was ranked number one. I, I can't. You brought that up earlier, and I can't get that. Cover of Sports Illustrated is Mississippi State's quarterback holding well, that, a bulldog. That's a regional. That, 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 that I live in Georgia. Okay. <laughs> like, this is the region. <laughs> but, but you know, and we didn't talk about this, and we'll have a chance to talk about it when we talk about the SEC. But I'm amazed how much credence having a returning quarterback now that Georgia doesn't have a returning yeah. quarterback. That everybody's giving. Well, yeah, the Mississippi State and Tennessee, they got returning quarterbacks, so yeah. clearly they're the better teams, which is crazy considering, you know, for five years in a row, Georgia had a returning quarterback or something. Yeah. It felt like that. Aaron Murray, you know, no, no, one. no one was picking Georgia first because they had Aaron Murray. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Or putting them on the cover for that matter. All right, so I think that was pretty good discussion today for our first try at it. I mean, I I'm, think I'm we pretty nailed proud it. of us. You know I think so? we nailed okay. it. Okay. And so, so no make, shakes and hot dogs for everybody. Yeah, and I learned a little bit about Illinois. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. So next week, <laughs> make sure you tune in next week because we're uh, Tony, Will, and I are going to preview the SEC as a whole, both Eastern and Western. We're not going to talk about Coastal or Atlantic. We're not going to talk about leaders and legends because the SEC got it right. Um, I do think we have maybe one or too many teams, but Tony tends to think that we might end up with sixteen down the road. I don't know, but um, but yeah, stay tuned for the SEC talk, and we're also going to talk. Our, we're, we're, Will and Tony and I are going to give our four playoff teams in our own free will and opinion, right? Are you going to be able to come up with four? Uh, ish, four Tony ish. might even, I mean, will Tony dare put two SEC teams in? I don't know. Oh, Maybe at least. Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, to, just to aggravate all those guys. Right? Um, and then also. Okay. Uh, you, you SEC 
SEC people. You're so cute. Know, why does everybody right? hate the SEC? But it's, well, everyone else is like, why will they not stop talking about the SEC? It's kind of smug. So. You're a bit smug, but that's all right. And then finally, we're going to give our Heisman picks. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll That's kind of natural what we should do. So, um... Does yeah. that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I, well, I, I, as I said, I think I think we are perfect. I don't think we have anything we need to change after this from now on. So, for for, for the record, listeners, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and on that note, that concludes this uh, episode two. Strangely enough, of waiting since last Saturday, drop the G, add an apostrophe. We hope you all enjoy listening, and we will see y'all on campus. Bye. All right. Well done. Awesome. Well done. That was good. I think that went well. Yeah. I like that. You didn't offend anybody. Really? Yeah. We should do some more stuff, <laughs> man. I feel like I failed. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our episode. And please feel free to stop by iTunes and give us a review or rating. And as another reminder, you can tweet us at WSLS Podcasts. We'll be back next week with our own look around the SEC.